Legacy Legal Live, hosted by Kendra O'Toole, Michelle Reed, and Elizabeth Caruso of Legacy Legal Planning, is a show about discussing your estate plans, options, and answering your questions. Call in at 781-834-9639 and start your lifelong partnership covered by benefits that you've earned through proper legacy planning. Now here's your hosts, Kendra, Michelle, and Elizabeth. Good evening. Thank you for joining us tonight here on WMEX Boston. We are Legacy Legal Live, and we have your hosts, Kendra O'Toole, Michelle Reed, and Elizabeth Caruso. And we do have a special guest with us this evening, Michelle, if you'll jump right into introducing our special guest tonight. Oh, this, this one's a pleasure for us. So last week, we talked about things that we are grateful for and thankful for, and we are very grateful to have a special guest tonight. We're switching gears a little bit. We are talking about a very popular topic in our world and everyone's world right now, real estate. And we have the one and the only Danielle Veneau of Keller Williams Realty here with us to share all of her knowledge in her years of real estate expertise. So thank you for being here with us tonight. We really appreciate you taking the time. And so just jump in, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and, and how you got into the field. Great. I am so happy to be on here with you lovely ladies. Um, my name's Danielle Veneau. I'm with Keller Williams Realty in Norwell, Massachusetts. Um, the way that I found real estate was back in 2010. Um, I actually applied for an office position in a real estate office. Uh, sales wasn't my goal at the time. Um, but after being there for a little while, I kind of got reeled right into the sales side of things. So I've been licensed since 2016 as a real estate agent. Awesome. Um, and so you have a particular sort of niche that you sort of, how, how did you get into kind of what we're talking a little bit today about the overarching topic of dun, 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 downsizing, <laughs> which can be exciting for some or a little scary and daunting for others, but you have a particular knowledge base in that. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, dealing specifically with um, uh, downsizers, folks who are empty nesters, uh, see, uh, folks moving into senior centers. That's a niche that um, my real estate team and I have acquired over the past handful of years. So uh, the way that um, real estate led us into this niche of helping folks 55 plus with downsizing um, is we built a relationship with a move manager at a 55 plus uh, community locally here on the South Shore. Um, they have a very rigorous process for vetting their preferred vendors. So to be on their list and in their world is a feat in itself. So <laughs> they pride themselves on being super thorough on who they um, have kind of helping their folks uh, in their time of need. So um, super proud to uh, be amongst the elite in the room. Um, and that's kind of what led us to our specialty of helping um, the 55 plus community. So you're just on the all-star team now, like never getting off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so from your perspective, what are some, you know, unique insights that you bring to the table when it comes to understanding the specific needs and preferences of Massachusetts seniors in the context of real estate and downsizing? Sure. I think specifically here in Massachusetts, um, one of the things that our seniors are dealing with are old houses. So we have one of the oldest oh, yeah. inventory um, in the country of housing stock. So um, my home specifically was built in 1900 and 
it's not even old in our neck of the woods. And then in other parts of the country, they're like 1900. That's insane. Right. So, um, you know, it's not, we don't bat an eyelash at seeing homes that were built in the 1800s in this neck of the woods, which is great historical charm, but also maintaining and upkeeping older homes is a lot of work. Um, when you have the time and the energy and the support to do that, it's beautiful. And a lot of the times we see people hit a point where it just becomes way too much for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember even just when I was house hunting, some of the places you, you go into were like, you know, restored barns and things of that nature. So if you've got a house that's been in the family for a century, you know, you keep yes. down for, for quite a long time. And then you're looking to kind of leave a family home in that regard and, and, and get it marketable. That's um, it's, it's nice to have that kind of expertise where, like you said, you don't bat, bat an eyelash at all. Like, Oh no, we'll come in and this, this yeah. is <laughs> No, no fuss, no moss. We got this. And and you're not even lying. Like I went to a client's house yesterday to do a signing and they had original floorboards from 1775. Literally. And we see it It every day. It was gorgeous. We take it for granted (laughs) and it's very beautiful. Right. The worst part is when the rugs are over them and you're like, what do we have under here? Yes. (laughs) All the time. I'm always like, by the way, there's hardwood under these wall to wall carpeting. Right. I have no real estate uh, expertise. That's uh that's HGTV for me and all those I was obsessed with those renovations. <laughs> for sure. And then Same. when we do have newer homes um that our seniors are in, a lot of the times, and by newer, I mean like post-1950, right? Because that's technically newer in our neck of the woods. We we see a lot of homes don't have a uh, first floor bedroom. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Because my house was built before like indoor plumbing right um and um space wasn't really a concern it was just you 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 get what you get and you don't get upset in terms of living space right and now we're like oh we can't survive under 2500 <laughs> feet of living space with a family of eight right so um we see a lot of the times folks are prompted to move uh, due to health concerns because they can't do stairs anymore so really no first floor bedroom, no first floor full bathroom, um, lots of stairs, whether it's um, uh, split levels or raised ranches where there's steps to get in. And then once you're in, there's more steps upon steps. Um, and then in the lovely um, region of New England, we have notorious winters that just become too much for um, some seniors to handle. So we see a lot of snowbirds who are just over the snow and I can't can't wait to be one of them. <laughs> I think we're all on the same page there. Ditto. Yeah. Get me out of here. We're seeing a ton of people move to the Carolinas actually right now. Interesting. Yeah. Of all ages, it doesn't matter. Everybody, everybody's moving south. Why do you, why do you think, uh, why that area in particular? Is, is I the think it's there, a like, gorgeous spot in the country. And also um, their price points are um tolerable. <laughs> so that's a good yeah, word. That's a good word. <laughs> <laughs> we, not ideal, right? Nobody's saying ideal these days, but they're tolerable. So we actually just had a past client sell one home that they built um, in the early 80s. Um, and they moved to the Carolinas and bought two houses for what they netted on just one up here. So it's super affordable down there compared to up here. If you I'm have your, equity, to- your northern equity and you bring it south, you, you get a better bang for your buck. From talking to clients who have moved down there, it still has the charm of having all four seasons without the winter being as harsh. 
which yeah. I think is a big draw because you still get fall, you still get spring, the summers are hot and, but you don't get, you know, snowmageddon snow yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) that yeah so all those things kind of accumulate over time to being obstacles and enjoying your living situation so that actually begs sort of another hot topic within this hot topic but some of the things with the current market but you know it's like that's a four-letter word right now and and housing prices and just kind of shifts that you've seen over the last couple of years um in relation to our sort of 55 plus and, and quote unquote downsizing community, how is that affecting them? Or, you know, is there any advantage to them in their case or? Actually there is. So this is a topic that I'm super passionate about. And in the 55 plus housing communities that we're a part of, um, a lot of times they'll have like a waiting list of folks waiting for an apartment to open up. So we provide them um, at least twice a year with like a state of the real estate market update. So they have some sort of knowledge on what's going on in the real world. I think um, what we all, regardless of where we're at in life, um, especially in my industry, we have to kind of combat national media headlines because real estate is truly hyper-local. What's happening here on the South Shore of Massachusetts is different from the North Shore of Massachusetts. It can vary even town to town uh, locally. So um, if folks are getting national news, we have to double check and see, does that headline match what's actually physically happening in our local market? So I'm super passionate about this. Yeah, I think that's a testament to your role as, as, as their professional and their confidant because it's it's a lot of it like what we do too a lot of it is saying okay you've the, the local news is saying yada yada and naturally you're you're feeling some concern or stress about that but let let's break it down and see how does this actually apply in your case so it's that's sort of the difference between kind of navigating it alone and navigating with someone who's in the thick of it in the weeds and can say just what you said nope this actually, you're, we're looking for this. So this, this doesn't apply here. And you know, it's, it's a nice thing to have someone just have a sounding board too, I would imagine. Yeah, exactly. So one of the national stats that is accurate, right. (laughs) Is that right now, uh, 70% of folks who own a home have 50 on average have 50% or more equity in their home. So right now, if you have purchased your home within the past at least 10 years, your equity has most likely doubled because of the recent increase in sales price that we've seen. Wow. Yeah. So um, I pulled the data real quick before we hopped on this call. And one of the um, one of the national um, headlines, or we see it on social media all the time. I can't wait for the market to crash. This is a bubble, X, Y, Z, all the things. Um, so I love pulling stats from before the market crash in 2000, you know, seven, eight, nine. So, uh, in 2008, the listing inventory for the state of Massachusetts was 40,741 homes. Okay. So that was, uh, November of 2008. Okay, so we're timely. We're timely. (laughs) Exactly. We had 40,000 homes available. Today, in 2023, we have 8,266 homes available. Wow. Right. Right. Wow. 
So what happened, right? What happened? So the way that I love to explain our current inventory crisis is that because back in uh, when we actually did have a market crash, um, new uh, new construction homes production came to a literal halt, right? So um, contractors, builders had lots of land. They had started uh, developments, uh, home divisions, and everything came to a screeching halt because home values weren't where they needed to be for their projects to continue. And because it took a number of years for new construction to one, begin again, and then two, um, come to a level where we should be in terms of new construction homes versus um, uh, population, right? And the need, the demand for homes. We're just now kind of hitting that level of new construction, but we're still in the hole for new homes for people to live in for the past 10 years, easily, more than 10 years, right? Um, so with lack of new construction, for an extended period of time, right now we're seeing uh, mortgage rates, right? For our, our 55 plus community, they're again, not batting an eyelash at a seven or an 8% interest rate because theirs was 10, 12, 15%, right? Mm -hmm. So they're like kind of looking around like rookies, um, <laughs> <laughs> right? They're like, this is nothing. Um, so, and home prices uh, escalating since 2020, that's kind of where, and people are sitting on giant mounds of equity. So they're saying, if I have a home today that's worth $450,000 that I paid two twenty four dollars in 2016, right? I have half the equity in my house. That's there. My current interest rate is um, 3% on the $220,000. For me to move, I would be adopting... Uh, higher price point and a higher interest mortgage interest rate. So that's kind of where we're seeing a stalemate on new homes coming to the market. So the challenges of the current landscape plus a lack in new inventory over a decade span really has us going from 40,000 homes available to 8,000. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have love a question. It. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, your explanation has kind of really led me to this. So for, uh, the 55 plus community who, um, you know, has that big chunk of equity, you know, you said 70% of people have more than 50% of equity in their house. Does that, you know, for people who downsizing is not an option, but a must like, you know, to get that first floor bedroom or to make it, you know, a more maneuverable space for them as they grow older, does that, chunk of equity give them a leg up over other buyers? Oh, for sure. So um, looking at it from a listing agent perspective, if I have multiple offers on the table, which we're still seeing in this current market, it's not as crazy as it once was. Um, but we're still seeing if you price your home properly, we're still seeing multiple offers come through. So if uh, somebody needs a mortgage, um, and somebody doesn't need a mortgage, we're weighing the pros and the cons of that situation, right? And if somebody's putting down X amount of dollars and the offer next to it is putting 10X amount of dollars down, we're also weighing all of the terms of that offer side by side. And that's how we guide sellers to make their decision on which offer they'll accept. So yeah, it definitely, if you do have extra equity to throw at 
your new home, that is a no lose situation. Yeah. And you can, I mean, I know some people who maybe don't have a mortgage on their current home. Yeah. They might be able to turn around and buy a house without getting a mortgage period. For sure. Yep. Or you can buy two in the Carolinas, right? That's true. <laughs> I, I think you've sold us all on that. Yeah, right. Do you have a team down there? <laughs> yeah, next. That's next on the roadmap. Start working it now. Yeah. I think Liz's question actually is a great segue into that. That's a misconception, right? People think, oh God, I'm holding on to this and never letting go, mm-hmm. but not necessarily looking at an opportunity here to, to kind of give yourself a one up on other potential buyers in the market, you know, in this sort of fisticuff scenario sometimes, for sure. you know, where that might hold someone back from, from selling and then downsizing potentially, or, or getting themselves in a different situation. That's actually, um, it's, it's, it's people were sort of fearful, but it's actually an advantage. So it brings us to sort of chat about some of the misconceptions that you typically hear or are often sort of uh, explaining sort of around downsizing and, and, and finding properties and things of that nature. So we'd love to hear some of the things that you feel are like common misconceptions in this world. Sure. So I think other than the, the state of the market, the most common misconceptions are, I'll kind of bullet point them and dive deeper into them. Um, but the first bullet point is that they need to downsize all by themselves, right? It's so much yeah. work. It's so much work. Um, the second is how uh, how many repairs they'll have to make to their home. And third is how fast or slow um, their home sale process is going to be, right? So that's a huge question mark that people have over their head when we have our um, first consultation with them. So if I go back to... Um, the misconception that they need to do to do all of the work themselves. There's so many resources. If uh, you've been in your home 50 plus, 40 plus, 30 plus years, stuff accumulates, right? There's so many memories that you have in your home. There's so many tchotchkes. There's the kids' drawings from when they were in elementary school, right? There's stuff and there's a lot of stuff. Um, but they, you don't need to do the heavy lifting by yourself. So there's organizing companies that will come and help you kind of hold your hand if you want it. Or there, there are some that have the approach of point to the pile and we'll haul it away for you, right? So I like that it, one. I like that approach a lot. <laughs> Don't even let me look at it. I haven't opened that box in 30 If you years. want me to open that box, I'm sitting on the floor with it and going through it and I'm not getting rid of anything. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, there's, um, there's, uh, goodwill stores that will take uh, excess furniture, uh, you know, because if you're going from a larger home to a smaller home, trying to fit all of that furniture into your next place might be a little bit tricky. So there are goodwill stores like the Habitat um, store in Carver. There's uh, Good Deeds. I think they're in Pembroke mm-hmm. that will yep. come and take excess furniture. There's also um, uh, things like the Teen Challenge in Brockton. Um, they'll come out and take your furniture away for you. So um, there's help available. So don't feel like that task is so big. Um, At our uh, 55 plus community, what the move manager always says is be ready, get ready to be ready. So if it's even an inkling in your mind that you, you know, it's getting time to downsize, start thinking about the process of getting ready to be ready to, to actually downsize. You can chip away little by little. You can hire a company, whatever you're most comfortable with. Um, And then in terms of how many repairs, 
potential home sellers will have to make to their existing property, it definitely depends on the market, right? So in a seller's market where there's, there's three homes to choose from in your town and there's no competition, right? Um, buyers can't be choosy, right? They're, they know that they're going to have to be the ones to put a little bit of sweat equity into the house. Um, but if the market ever reverses and it's a buyer's market and the market is flooded with homes, there's 20 identical homes to yours on the market in your very same town. Now it's kind of a beauty contest, right? We want to be the first one to get taken off the shelf. So we got to <laughs> judge ourselves <laughs> up a little bit. Um, so uh, in our current market right now, there's not too, too much that you need to do. But th what I always suggest is to have a local realtor before you touch anything, before you start picking apart anything and taking down the wallpaper and painting, have your local realtor that you know, love and trust come out and just do a quick walkthrough. Um, we look at homes through the eyes of buyer clients when we walk through your home for the first time and we're giving you advice on what to do or not to do. Um, and we have a pulse on what's important to buyers in this current market. So in this current market, what's really important to buyers are the big ticket items. And at the same token, um, they, they don't really have the right to be too choosy because we're in an inventory pinch, right? So your local a uh, market expert can come out to your home and say, don't pave the driveway. Don't do that. We don't need to pave the driveway today. But if you want to do something, paint the bathroom, right? Um, so we can help kind of whittle down if it feels like an exhausting list of things you need to do. We can help alleviate any questions you have around the, those things. That's definitely the number one things that like from talking to my clients who are trying to downsize that that's like the biggest thing they're hung up on. And they're amazed by what, you know, advice they get from the realtor as to like what repairs are going to be important to buyers versus what repairs are not going to be important to buyers. And then how little work at the end of the day they actually have to do because it, and we, we've been in a seller's market for a long time. Yeah, exactly. So there's there. And on top of that, there's a few quick, fixes that we can make to make your home a little bit more appealing too, right? So it doesn't always have to be these exhausting, huge projects. We can kind of point out some little tips and tricks, like just changing out your light switch plate. If they're like yellowed or it just makes a difference, right? So we Kendra don't have to go crazy in this market, <laughs> which is a good thing. Kendra has an eye for the light switches. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God, of everything I picked. <laughs> but I mean, if you think about it, that's like a hundred dollars to switch all the lights with like, like yeah, everyone in your house. To, pop. Exactly. Yeah. And it can make a huge difference from the aesthetics point of view. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So we look for the little things that can kind of go a long way and we don't ever want to stress anybody out. So if there is a big ticket item that does need attention and love in the home, there's a few ways we can handle it. You can take care of it or we can just disclose that it's there and in this sort of a condition. And as long as we make it known to folks what they're getting into, then the project becomes theirs after they purchase the home. They can do it on their own time. And regardless of the, the situation, a lot of the times we'll see that um, home repairs that were kind of negotiated in a transaction, like, oh, we want a credit for the uh, $2,000 credit 
for the windows. This is what the buyer's asking. A lot of the times the house will come back on the market a few years later, we'll go back through the home and we'll be like, those windows are still the original windows <laughs> when we sold it the first time, <laughs> right? So there's some um, projects that the buyers are gonna wanna ta tackle themselves. They're gonna wanna pick out the paint color. They're gonna wanna pick out the flooring, right? Um, so yeah, we'll help kind of walk you through your comfort level, first of all, and then the logistics of it all, secondly. Um, and then the next question that we get is how fast or slow home um, offers will come in on the property, right? Yeah. Yep. So if you've been in your home for 30 plus years, 40 plus, 50 years, um, how long do you have to keep your home in showing ready condition? and have strangers walking through and all of that is a question that we get asked a lot. Um, and the answer to that is always dependent on your pricing strategy, right? So in this market, even though pricing is crazy compared to where it used to be, even though buyers are getting, are still aggressive in making offers, um, there's still an upper limit to what somebody will pay for anything, right? So, um, there's pricing strategies to get an offer accepted quickly and we're on and gone in a weekend, which is what most of our senior clients tend to prefer. Um, we create a scenario that we're aiming for multiple offers to come in a little bit over asking price, right? We're trying to get as many people through the door as quick as we can. They can make a quick decision and we can be, um, on our way to the next steps of the transaction. Um, but if you're looking to test the market and see how much you can get when you start at listing point, uh, that's when we see homes sitting on the market for longer than a weekend or two weekends. If that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. does. Yeah. And it just goes back to having the advice of a professional because, you know, we it's 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 hard in certain situations. You you think you want to just throw it right out there at the highest price. Like, let's shoot for the moon. Yeah. But there's, there's, there's also motives behind maybe having a different strategy. Exactly. And, um, a lot of the times buyers are walking into properties thinking that they have to pay over asking in the first place. So if you really go with the, the listing tactic of, you know, I'm going to price it for what I want or more, and we'll see what happens after that, a buyer is walking in, seeing the the listing, the suggested retail value, as I like to call the listing price, right? And they're thinking they need to pay the play the prices right and bid over. And if you're teetering at the high end of what someone will pay for your home, they're in their mind, they're tacking on an additional X amount of dollars. And maybe that is the amount that they're unwilling to pay for it. Great, great tips and great insight with that for sure. And I do think that that's probably one of the, you know, selling a home and downsizing, especially if you have been in that home for most of these people have been in their homes for 40, 50, 60 years and are now at a point of, I need to, to move. It really, that can drive kind of what they're looking for and the emotions bring up a lot of their sentimental. So I know in our second half, we're going to talk a little bit about the emotional things that come up when people are selling their family home that maybe their kids grew up in. Um, and so that's great insight in regard to the hurdles or their thought process when they are considering the downsizing. All right. I think that's definitely a good spot to take our first break of the show. Yeah. I heard we had Macy's. <laughs> so thanks for hanging on with us tonight on WMEX. 
Welcome back to this evening's edition of Legacy Legal Live. Uh, we are again here with realtor Danielle Vino, and she is talking to us about downsizing tonight. Uh, and we had teased a little bit that we're going to get into a little bit more of the emotional aspect of uh, what selling a you know family home that you've had for 30, 40, 50 years can do. So uh, Danielle, in your experience, what role do emotions play in downsizing process for older adults? And how does that emotion change or change your approach and how you tackle, you know, dealing with these clients? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's very client dependent. So I know personally for myself, um, my in-laws live in a family home. Like grandpa was born in the home, like in the house next door. So there's some deep, deep familial roots in that property specifically, right? So sometimes we'll come across clients like that who are selling a generational home and it can be super tough and I get it, right? I, I, I get it. So it's really important to align yourself with somebody who has like a thread of compassion, right? Um, And then we also see clients with kind of the same scenario who are just like ready to be done. They're ready for the next chapter. Um, It feels like kind of a breath of fresh air um, for our folks that move into um, a community. They are looking at the benefit of um, having rides to places, right? If there's a ride service offered there, they're looking at um, the amenities in the center. So if you can get your hair cut right there, you can walk to it. You can walk to breakfast, you can walk to lunch, you can play cribbage or pickleball or whatever amenities that the center has to offer. Um, that's kind of what they're focused on. Um, and a lot of the times uh, our, our potential home sellers are feeling a burden, not only on themselves of not being able to upkeep their home, but also on their children, right? Because we're kind of the sandwich generation, um, us beautiful ladies on this call, where uh, there comes a point where you're taking care of both your children and your parents, right? So um, some of our home sellers feel that they've become somewhat of a pest to their their, um, family, that they need rides to doctor's appointments or um, that people need to drop things off or they can't, they can no longer grocery shop for themselves. So finding, um, a, a community center that they can move to that already has built-in resources is honestly like a breath of fresh air for them because they feel like they're, they're, uh, they're gaining independence back. So I think we also see where you talked about the emotional um, aspect of when they have been in for so long and they are not ready. You know, they know they have to move, but they might not be ready to actually do that. Um, We actually see that common as well with when a parent has passed away and now the, you know, family selling it. They don't need it's the children. They don't need the home, but it's been that family home for so long. I know my family ourselves and it was definitely emotional. We sold my grandparents' home that they lived in for 67 years. And we had lived across the street and it was my great grandparents' home that we moved into. So that home had been in our in our family as well for 65 years. 
And we sold them all within six months of each other because it was right. My grandmother passed away right at the start of the pandemic. And I decided to move down to Carver to be near my brother and his kids. And we sold two family homes that have really been there for, you know, in our family for 60 plus years. And it is emotional, even when we're dealing with the children or the grandchildren of people to be able to sell that property. And that emotion sometimes also heightens a little bit of what they bring up or what buyers might bring up as issues or why they feel they shouldn't pay the price that is being asked or what what's your experience in some of that? For sure. It does add an extra layer of compassion to the transaction too. And for me, um, my goal specifically in that situation, it always is to take the stress out of a transaction. But in these particular situations where there's so much emotion and so much family history, we really, really aim to make it as smooth as process as possible. Because on top of the emotional um, waves that come, uh, we don't want to add any additional stress to that. We understand that it's already hard enough. So our goal is to prepare our clients in a very matter of fact manner and to kind of take as much off of their plates as possible. To uh, there, There's no way we can ever take their emotions out of it and we will never advise them to not be emotional about it. It's like, yes, this is hard, right? But what we can control, what I can control in the transaction is everything else right? All of the other moving pieces. So um, we really uh, pay the most attention in these situations to make sure that it's a smooth sailing process. In these types of situations, I feel like, and I, I think you kind of addressed this, that you either, there's two extremes. You either have somebody who doesn't want to let go, or you have somebody who's so ready to let go that like, there's no, there's no middle ground. Like you have people who are like, I need to get out of this house. Yeah. I need to get out of this clutter. I yes. can't wait to get rid of this versus yeah. I can't believe, I, I can't imagine myself not living here. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So a lot of them are seeing it as a breath of fresh air and a fresh start. And they're gaining some sort of independence back by um, not having the burden of whatever they felt burdened them in their current home. We talked about emotions and generational properties, and probably this question gears a little bit more towards the families who are having some trouble letting go. But with these generational properties, we we not only have the homeowners, but we've got the homeowners' children and maybe siblings, and, and you know, so we we've got a whole family dynamic. Who it's you're not just selling it for the you know the the listed owners but you've got some other people who feel very vested in that situation. Um, and in Kendra's situation, you know, you were all on the same page and it was bittersweet, but it was, it was an appropriate and beautiful thing for your family. Switching right. gears when we've got opinions of folks who are not quite on the same page or, you know, when there's just a little more to unpack literally and figuratively, <laughs> uh, how are, how do you deal with sort of these family members involvements in the decision-making process? Um, <clears throat> how, how do you kind of tread that? Right. So I've been blessed so far, knock on whatever everything is that surrounds me. <laughs> but we've had some really amazing homeowners and some really amazing families supporting them. And I know that's not always the case. But I will say, for a majority of my personal clients, it has been um, their surrounding family members have been super supportive, right, of helping mom or dad get where they want to go or need to go. Um, that being said, 
we have had transactions where the home is in a trust, right? And it always kind of boils down in my mind to who has the power to sell the property, right? So that's primarily who we are focused on is who has the authority to sign um, on behalf of the property, because at the end of the day, it's what they want, um, right? So um, that's our primary focus. But we actually love, we had touched upon the sandwich generation. A lot of the time for our 55 plus um, sellers, they'll ask if their son or daughter can attend, you know, our listing consultation or the photos for the home. And absolutely, right? Whatever the seller is the most comfortable with, that's what we're there for. Um, and on the flip side of the coin, we have had a home that was in a trust um, and eight children were the trustees of the home. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that's brutal. Oh boy. <laughs> right? Eight siblings. So that is a tricky dynamic because we all have families and we all have those people. And um, it's hard enough for a husband and wife or a couple to be on the same page, but to have eight siblings all agree harmoniously and want all of the same things. That was probably the diciest transaction that I've experienced with downsizing. So I would always throw that back to you, lovely ladies at legacy legal planning um, to, um, you know, if your home is in a trust, just take a minute before you start adding everybody and their <laughs> best friends as trustees to your trust, because there will come a point in time where all of those parties need to come together and make a decision. Um, and kind of the more cooks in the kitchen, there's just more possibilities. Fires. To go <laughs> yes. <sideways. laughs> this is that definitely is a conversation that we have with clients when they're choosing, you know, who's the proper person to be their trustee or their personal representative, because, you know, if you have eight kids, you don't want to have to choose, but at the same time, like having eight people make just like agree on the, the fact that the sky is blue is literally impossible. Like right. everybody's going to have an opinion. I don't, how do you even choose a realtor? Like every, right. all eight people are going to have their own realtor friend that they want to do this. And, you know, you're going to end up with, you know, real it, it's a it's an absolute mess I don't even like having more than two like I tell people if you have if you have two kids and you want them both to do it that's fine any more than two and you gotta choose because you're just causing problems down the road that's gonna cause strife within the family and it's gonna end up in court it really does to the point where in my life I just want to simplify everything because I've seen down the pike where the problems lie, right? So how do I simplify that for my kids and my legacy for uh, my family? So I have two daughters who will fight over a French fry, right? They're four and seven, <laughs> but someday they're going to be 34 and 37. Um, and I hope that they get along, but I don't know what time will bring, right? Um, and also... When it comes to folks around me, I and I think that I might have something to do with their legacy planning. I don't want to be left to fend for myself in a room of eight other people, right? Where motives are motives, but I just want to be told what you tell me what you want me to do, and I will do all of the things, right? So I think that's super important as people are putting their their homes into trust. Just think about 
the future, right? Think about those eight siblings sitting at the, the table in the conference room. And I'm sure it didn't go as they had hoped, right? I think that's one of the biggest things that we do talk about a lot with clients is they all have this idea of, I think one of the questions we get the most is, well, can I just have all my kids together? You know, because I don't want to choose. And that is a big conversation that we really have. And as much as they might all be on the same page, they are today. The moment money comes into the factor, unfortunately, it does change. One sibling might make more than another. And so somebody might be feeling a little tight. And so they feel and have different, you know, feelings of how things should go. And, and we don't know, they might be good today, but 20 years from now, they could be in the middle of a divorce or they could have lost their job or a foreclosure. And so these types of things really, as much as, you know, the clients want, think, and no, they're all good. They have a great relationship. It really changes. Right. And then on a lot of the times um, when I'm involved in the transaction, there's one, even if the home is in a trust, there may be one surviving parent. And then it's like, well, I take mom to her appointments and I shoveled the driveway and I paid for the roof and I did the thing. And it just, it snowballs, right? And everything comes out in that moment. Um, So I've been super lucky that a majority of my transactions have been very peaceful and everybody's behaving. And then there's the one-offs that just take a sideways turn and it takes a moment. And sometimes it takes lawyers (laughs) to figure it out from there. So for obviously all of you are listening tonight, all three of us, Liz, Michelle, and I, as Danielle was making the statement, all just started nodding our head in sync (laughs) together because it is just pure fact. Yep. Yeah. It's a blessing and a curse having assets, really. Yeah. I mean, you're fortunate enough to be in that position, of course, but you know, I think you you hit the nail on the head. It's just having the forethought, doing the pre-planning and thinking about, okay, I'm making this plan today, but what is that going to look like down the road? And uh, so I love your French fry explanation because it's true. We, we sometimes say um, we've seen folks fight over, you know, the last sock in the drawer just because it was there and they could, you know, and that's yes. not every case, like you said, really it's, it, it, it is the minority, but when it becomes the case, it's a doozy. <laughs> it sure is. And nobody's backing down quick. Once it's, no, no, no. They're just seeing it through. They're just playing it out. So yeah. There's nothing more expensive in this world than principle. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For better like that one of are going to put my kid through college. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so yeah, can we you see a little it? bit of everything. It takes all kinds of kinds, but um, for the, <laughs> the analogy that I always love to give is that um, as a realtor, it's my job to behave as if I were kind of your primary care physician, right? So that if you went to the doctor, you had all your labs drawn, you had, all the tests done because you weren't feeling well and your doctor came through the door like Kramer on Seinfeld with like <laughs> with their <laughs> hair on fire and just freaking out, making you panic and just riling you up. Oh my God, there's something wrong with you and we can't figure it out, right? No, you would fire your doctor immediately, right? So your doctor's job is to run the test, analyze the results, come up with a plan or multiple plans and let you as the patient choose the way you would like to proceed with 
the knowledge that this is, you know, we have potential solutions, let's pick one, right? So that's often the analogy that I like to use as being a real estate agent. Not all have that same mentality, <laughs> I can promise you that. Um, but I really strive to be that calm, straight to the point. Here's the problem. I've already come up with three potential solutions. Let's talk them out and see which way you want to handle it. Um, and when <laughs> things get tense in a transaction, um, that's kind of what we default back to. Okay, everybody's a little hyped up right now. Here are our solutions. Let's pick one. Right. I'm forever stealing that analogy because <laughs> yes. that paints a perfect picture in my brain exactly. of Kramer coming in and just going through the door. <laughs> yes, it's wild. If I got as anxious and if I got as hyped up as everybody else that's kind of spinning in that emotion, I'm doing nobody any justice. I'm not thinking clearly. I'm not being uh, solution oriented. We're not going anywhere because now I'm involved in the monk. But um you just got to take a breath. You got to take a, you know, be the professional in the room. So talking about the, you know, kind of like you said, the doctor running the tests and the analytics and whatnot, what are some of the technology or digital tools that can be leveraged to help Massachusetts seniors and that you use to help them and the steps that you take to ensure that your clients are comfortable with, you know, going on the market, selling their home and, and moving forward? Yeah. So um, a few things come to mind when I think of technology with 55 plus, um, everybody has a different, um, a different comfort level with tech, right? So we have some, we've seen 80 year olds that are on the internet and text us back and signing documents electronically. And we love that. And sometimes there's folks that don't own a computer or just want everything and uh, printed in paper and signed in wet ink. And we always strive to meet people where they're at with technology, right? So if we have to come out and hand sign the docs, we're there. And if you're open to signing electronically, let's do that too, right? Let's save you time. Let's save you running around. We'll do that. Um, the second thing that I think of with 55 plus and tech um, are the online home valuations or the online home estimates right? Because if we're Googling how much our home is worth, um, that is something that we see a lot for all ages right now. And we always let our um, sellers know that the, those online home valuations are a suggestion. <laughs> They're not actual property values. And if you dig a little bit deeper on all of those websites, there's a whole bunch of disclaimers on how inaccurate they are. And a lot of the bigger name ones also will tell you once you start digging through why aren't my numbers right in their FAQs, they'll tell you um, to consult with your local real estate agent because they're the local market expert. So we always drive people back to having a real live real estate agent into your home if you're curious about what you think your home may be worth. Um, because even I pulled up my own home valuation yesterday on multiple sites. I'm working on a project right now. Um, and on one of the home valuations, I look back to the, the trend over the past year on what they said, the graph on where they said my home value increased or decreased. And everything was kind of kosher. I agreed with some of it. Um, there were subtle ups and downs to my home valuation. And then I got to, I think it was August into September 
And there was like a, like a mountainous spike on my home valuation report. Um, so I forget what the percentage was, but I think it was like 30%. They had said that from August <laughs> to September, my home value increased 30%. What in the wild world of sports would have happened <laughs> to make my home value increase $120,000 in 30 days? Well, right? we know we're not getting a kitchen remodel in, in four weeks. <laughs> exactly, right? So I did not do an addition. I did not do any major home renovations. I did my kitchen floor, but nobody knew about that, right? So, um, a that is the best floor anybody has ever put in. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the online home valuations are mere suggestions. They pull numbers from spreadsheets, right? But they're not on, they're not on the ground, uh, and they can't differentiate to some degree on what is a comparable recent sale to your home and what's not. Because all they're looking at is numbers, square footage, number of bedrooms, all of the things. Um, so that tells me that either my home valuation was off for the beginning eight months of the year, right? If it skyrocketed off the moon, <laughs> to the moon, um, or that in that month, the robots behind the scenes pulled a home that didn't match my house and used it as a comparable, which made my home go through the roof. And then in, um, so that was, I think, August to September. And then October, my, the home value came back down, I think not quite down to where it should have been, but it came down 20%. You right? should so, have sold in September, clearly. Exactly. <laughs> what was I thinking holding on to that? So we do see home values increase, but if you're looking at your home valuation, and you see something skyrocket off the charts, that's your first red flag, right? Um, so proceed with caution because a lot of the sellers that we um, we meet with will say, "I, you don't need to tell me what my home's worth. I already looked it up online. I got it, right? And then we're like, oh, actually that's really low or sometimes it will be too high. So um, don't take those as gospel. Um, just use it kind of as a barometer. Awesome. So we know you have them, but we wanted to save, you know, a good story for close to the close to the end of our show. We would love for you to share a success story um, in, in this realm, something that you feel from, you know, soup to nuts, maybe maybe some hiccups in between because nothing's perfection. But share with us some success stories that you've had in, in this field. Yes, I think other than getting that um, transaction closed that had eight trustees. You um, deserve we, a gold star. <laughs> we actually did get that closed. Uh, and in that case, we had to track down two siblings that had gone radio silent for a significant number of years from the family. Oh, we know right. something about that. Liz just had a success story in that round. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Calling the FBI. <laughs> yes, it pretty much. Right. It takes what it takes. Um, so I'm laughing now, but in the moment, you know, it was pretty dicey. Um, I think other than that, my success stories really um, boil down to, um, I think, for me, going back to the 55 plus community that uh, we are preferred partner with, um, we are seeing our past client, our past seller clients face to face. And always, always, always am I greeted with a massive hug, right? So 
if I was being dodged in the room, if things went sideways, that wouldn't be the case. But I literally love that um, a lot of the senior um, clients that we have tr end up, tr we end up treating each other like family because I really truly care about what they want and I make their goal my goal. Um, so uh, still getting Christmas cards from them, still dropping off Christmas cards to them. I just, uh, I really appreciate the bond that I have with those, with those folks. It makes all the difference too, because it's, you know, you do what you do. It's very, obviously very people centered. So right. we say that, say that all the time too. It's, it's, it's a different situation when you, you get the hugs versus you, you want to keep the people smiling and then stay with them through that too. You obviously, you help families sometimes through sticky situations. Um, I still can't believe eight trustees. But yeah, that was a bit yeah. wild. <laughs> but if I'm hanging an, an, a trophy on my shelf for, um, for this particular topic, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> um, so we would also love to hear, you know, obviously kind of everything that we've talked about. But if you had some, you know, some advice for anyone who is considering downsizing, whether it's, you know, eliminating whatever it might be, what's, what are some pieces of advice that you'd give to a family thinking about downsizing? I would start with your experts, right? So, um, start with your estate planning attorney. Um, uh -huh, see what she did then. <laughs> start with them. <laughs> Didn't even have to up for you. Exactly. Get them in. She didn't tell her to say that, folks. No. no, but it's so true, right? Because if we hadn't known that that property just happened to have eight trustees before we started rolling with it, it would have been chaos, right? So getting all of your experts communicating as early as possible. So give your estate planning attorney a heads up. Hey, I'm thinking about putting the house on the market. Is there anything that I, any ducks that I need to get in a row as I begin that process, right? Um, because you're going to want the decision makers um, aware of what, what's happening, right? Um, get a realtor in as soon as possible. Don't start any of your major home renovations. Don't start ripping things apart before they come through, you might end up spinning your wheels and doing some unnecessary um, repairs. So we don't want you doing that. Um, and just getting kind of a clear, concise game plan between all of the experts that you're using um, to make your move possible will make everything else move sailing. Yeah, I think that's, um, I, I, I love that advice about don't, don't, don't start any of the renovations. When you said that earlier in my mind, I was like, you know, it's something you just, you don't think about, like you said, you think you got to just go, go, go. So that's, that's an excellent piece of advice and, and worth its weight in gold, I would say. Yes, absolutely. Um, we always want to give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit about how our listeners can reach out to you if they have more questions or want to continue the conversation or have you walk through their house, <laughs> yes. tell them what they do and don't need to do. So shout out your contact info. And then if, you know, if there's anything that you, you, you want to let, let them know. Sure. So again, my name is Danielle Vino with Keller Williams Realty. Um, you can reach me at 781-630-1752. I'll say that one more time. It's 781 630 one seven five two um 
And that's the best way to reach me. My name is very long. My email address is obnoxious. <laughs> uh, my phone number is the best way to reach me. Um, and you can also visit my website. It's dannyveneau.com. It's D-A-N-I-V-E-N-E-A-U.com. <laughs> She's already making it easier for you. Just <laughs> literally. Right to the easiest. Save you the fuss and the must. You don't have to spell out Danielle Veneau. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it's really been a pleasure to have you here with us this evening. We enjoyed learning more about downsizing and the tips and tricks for people that are listening and thinking that this might be in their future. And thank you all for listening to Legacy Legal Live on WMEX. Be sure to find Legacy Legal Planning on our website, LegacyLegalPlanning.com, on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Legacy Legal Planning. And we look forward to hearing from more of our callers in the future. Have a wonderful evening.